So, um, thank you very much for your your birthday card. <laughs> thank you. It was lovely. I, I like to shop carefully for cards, and I don't mind telling you I've had that for nearly a year. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you didn't sort of get it specially made. There is one that actually says that. <laughs> so I saw that and so had to buy it for you. For the purpose of the listener. <laughs> you can't say... No, no, I'm not going to. No, we could. No, here's the. I'll talk about that. But it's got a picture of Jesus, and the, at the mm. top it says Jesus loves you, and at the bottom it says. But I think you're a bongos. Yeah, <laughs> you're a bongos. <laughs> Still makes me laugh. <laughs> it made me laugh. I mean, Claire just looked in scorn at me, but it made me laugh immoderately. <laughs> but here's the really tricky thing. You know, I had all my birthday cards out. Yeah. I had to hide it quickly because my mother came. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So, you know, I'm going to have to put your birthday cards in a special, easily hidden place in future. (laughs) Quite right, too. everybody to episode 160 160 yeah i know that's a lot isn't it? <laughs> it's not sounding any better is it 160 of the mid-faith crisis podcast my name is nick page mm. and uh, there is lovely joe davis thank you hello <laughs> <laughs> jesus loves him but well, i think he's a <laughs> It's funny though, isn't it? It is. Oh, it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. I'm deliriously tired and really looking forward to a holiday. And I'm going back to the dentist Saturday to see if they can repair the damage the last <laughs> butcher did to me. So, yeah. Is this the same dentist or a different? Well, um, no, I complained actually. Oh. Did you? Mm, I did. Yeah, I'm going to see the senior dentist now. Oh, yeah. At the practice. Well, this time when you sort of faint or whatever it is, (laughs) I don't know, do it in a really over, do it over across the front door or something like that. (laughs) Stagger out. Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't do good for their PR. Um, But you have been away, haven't you? I did. I had a weekend away at Minsmere. And the weather was a little bit shocking. But we Mm, did have. It was pretty horrible. And then, you know, we're staying in the Western, my favourite, one of my favourite pubs in the country. Great ale. Mm. So we got back on Saturday afternoon, having been out, ready for a lovely hot bath before a lovely dinner. Mm. And the gas had gone in in, in the pub. And so there was no hot water. And then they tried to cancel dinner after like an hour and a half of us sitting at the table. So. We're going. What you you were sitting in the restaurant? Yeah, we were sitting in the restaurant. I said, we think dinner's. Where can we go? We've got. There's no. You know where it is. It's in the middle of nowhere. So there's no. And by then, you know, we might have had a glass of wine or something. So yeah, there's nowhere else to go. So anyway, they did put on a meal, but I didn't get the dinner I was really looking forward to, which is a shame, isn't it? First world problems. Um, and we uh, slept, and then we got up and didn't have a hot shower in the morning. Anyway, the happy ending to that is we got a considerable refund, so that was nice. Did you have your, um, by now, notorious, I'll have all the options cooked breakfast? What do you, how very, yes, 
<laughs> yeah, of course I did. In fact, people were commenting about it, strangely enough. Because <laughs> it shouldn't be a cooked breakfast or eggs benedict. So I just said I'd have eggs benedict with the cooked breakfast. Yes, yeah, that's I, how I, I want my eggs. I have sat with you. Basically. I have sat with you ordering. And everybody else chooses from what is clearly an optional selection. <laughs> it's not. And op- you just tick all the above. No, you assume it's optional. It doesn't say or anywhere. <laughs> Anyway, I don't want to talk about it. We saw lots of birds. We saw marsh harriers and avocets yeah. and just things. Was, I, nothing can dull my excitement at that. Oh, and I interviewed Dave Tomlinson for good the podcast. And yeah, and what what we'll do is we'll play that when you're away. Yes, so that people will only have to, you know, wait a couple of weeks for a podcast. But yes, warning coming up, folks. We're I'm on holiday. Anyway, mm. that's enough mm. about me. Let's talk about you and your ageing body. Oh, Joe. <laughs> I am 60. <laughs> you are. And, like, that's that's not just bad for you. That that reflects on me. You know, when, when I start hanging out with 60-year-olds... You know, old people. Oh, come it's, on. No, this isn't good for any of us, frankly, as your younger friend. Listen, I tell you, the thing is, it's not something I'm particularly anxious about. It's just weird. I think that's the thing. Huh. You know, I, I, it's, it's just the numbers, but it's just it's just a weird thing. Uh, in a way that 40 and 50 were So 40, I think because the other ones have sort of things associated with them. 40, you think, well, well you know, mature yeah. years. 50, you think, well, it's time I had a midlife crisis. Mm. You know, so you know what's expected of you. <laughs> yeah. 60, I don't know what's expected of me. I mean, I, you know, yeah. am, I, am I now old? No, I don't think so. But, I mean, I, on the <laughs> other hand, I get a senior rail card. So, you know, it's kind of... <laughs> it is strange. I mean, it's always strange. I mean, I can't believe you're 60. Because, to me, you're you're the age you were when I first... You know, it's 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 weird. And then we, I can remember when there was a naught on the end of the three, and you think thirty. How can we be thirty? That's ridiculous. Yes. We can't be thirty. And then it goes on every ten years. We we stare in disbelief at each other that another ten years has gone, and here it is. Yeah. And as our behaviour just now has shown, we're essentially still seven. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> but it. I don't know. I'm finding it quite hard. I'm going to have to think and reflect on it because the whole thing about age is mm. is so different now. You know, the thing about mm. getting older. What, yeah. does, what does that? I don't. What does that mean? I'm going to think and uh, reflect hard on it, and from a Christian perspective, think what does getting older now sort of mean? Yeah. Um, it used to be, for example, you'd you'd get up in front of people if you were preaching on the Old Testament. I mean, everybody did this yeah. line. If you were preaching on the Old Testament, talking about Moses, you know how Moses starts when he's eighty, according to the yeah. Old Testament, and, and so you'd go, so you see, there's you know, there's no age limit, and all. except that nowadays, I think people would go, well, of course there isn't. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Well, duh. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm, it's just navigating expectations, working, I, I, I don't know what it is, it's just strange, it's very mm. strange. Mm, it is strange. Still, well, I had a lot of nice food and, and drink, so, you know, that's, that's a bonus. That is good. And I think yeah. there's a phone lines you can help now when you're in trouble, help the aged and things, they have... No, oh, yeah, you see, like and that. that's the really bad thing about it, it's <laughs> just you, actually. <laughs> Like I say, it reflects badly on us both. So, you know, I hope, I hope you're proud of what you've done. Um, <laughs> shall we move on? 
Absolutely. Yeah. We've <laughs> okay. got a lot of nice feedback. We actually, have, so. yeah. We've got some great stuff in. Uh, so uh, from Jeanette, she wrote a lovely uh, email in, um, but I particularly like this bit from it. She says, we were talking in one of our episodes about us taking off the mask, you know, in church hmm. and being real with people in church. And she said, that really amused me, as all we do now is put the blasted thing on. <laughs> That's very good, Jeanette, like that. I know. Listen, I've just been... Reason I've just come in in time for this podcast tonight because I've been mm. out, I had lunch with a friend, and and then I was... I, I need to go take photos of churches at the moment for this book I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unbelievable. Even when you go into an empty church now, you oh, put yeah. a mask on. I think, well, who... Who? I mean, there are <laughs> yeah. dead people in here. Who am yeah. I possibly infecting? <laughs> it's an odd. It is an odd thing. Okay. Uh, and Sam says this. Uh, he says, "Hi, Joe. I was uh, just listening to your latest musings, and I was struck by your scepticism about whether people at different stages of faith can coexist in the same church." He says, "I think they can, but it is dependent on priorities. As all communities gather around something they hold in common." And what that is makes the biggest difference. I am a member of a running club. Could be described as a community gathered around a shared interest in running. Members believe that running is a good thing and that training and racing is good for you and possibly even enjoyable. Except that's not really true. The community doesn't gather around a shared interest in running. We just gather and run. We meet up and we (laughs) we run. We train and some will race. We try to be the best that we can be, whether that's couch to 5k or an ultra marathon you and even nick are welcome to join us regardless of what you believe about running not nick he's too old for that nonsense yeah that's never gonna happen no 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 just to be clear just tell you that but he says you and nick are welcome just as long as you actually run so we gather around orthopraxy right actions not around orthodoxy right belief and it is utterly inclusive it would be absurd if the committee came up with a statement that trail marathons are the only worthy running races And uh, that 2K fun runs are abhorrent, even though that might be true, he says. It's too often the case in churches that the starting point is right belief, and that Mm. remains the preeminent factor in everything else. Any non-conforming belief will be a threat to the very basis of the community. However, when a church gathers around loving and serving their community, orthopraxy, and makes that the priority, with orthodoxy being a lesser concern, it's not that difficult to make space for anyone and everyone, irrespective of what they believe or stage of faith. I think that's yeah. a brilliant analogy. Yeah, it's really, good. really yeah. brilliant. And I think that's exactly right, don't you? I mean, if you if yeah. if things were focused more on on orthopraxy, on doing the things that Jesus said we should do. Yeah, exactly. Which is what Jesus, incidentally, spent his life doing, telling people well, he did. <laughs> yes. about the kingdom of God and how to behave. I don't think he was a big jogger, though, was he? How? Oh, I don't know. I mean, he had to well, get he, 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 did, he did run quite fast across oh, the lake. I know. Did, did he have a car? I don't know. I mean, he'd, he'd, have been, he'd be fantastic at triathlons, wouldn't he? I would have thought so. Because just get yeah. off the bike and then, and then run. Oh, yeah, the sorry, Jesus. <laughs> that wasn't technically swimming you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to disqualify you again. Um, no, I, I, I like that, and I think one church in Brighton. I think, I think that's what they do. I think that's why, why people love it so much because it does gather around its service of the community more than its shared beliefs, which is why there are people with many diverse beliefs there. I love that. Um, I still remain a little sceptical because I think those churches are very much in the minority. I think people mm. do gather around beliefs. So I think all the while that is the case, it's really difficult for the different stages to coexist. But Well, I wonder if it might change if people 
have a different idea of um, sort of the outcomes of belief. Because, I mean, it, it basically, mm. the emphasis on, on orthodoxy is because there's an idea that somehow if you believe the wrong thing, you'll be eternally damned. <laughs> yes, true. So if you've got a really strong belief in that, you can see why it becomes quite important to make sure that people believe the mm. right things. Mm. Because you're trying to help them in a way. Yeah. But if you could actually sort of say, well, actually, may maybe mm. that it's not that case. Maybe God isn't too worried about that bit, and that actually what you do is quite important. Things mm. might change a bit. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Great, great point. Thank you very Good much. Good stuff. Thank you very much indeed, Sam. And Ruth has written in and says, Hi, Joe and Nick. Having just listened to the podcast on finding our soul place, I'm finding it a little difficult to put into meaningful words as so much of my soul place is in my memory. I'm not independently able to go out and explore as I rely on my family to help me out to do that. The woods are not the easiest environment to push a wheelchair, but my daughter and son-in-law managed to find a short path into the Bluebell Woods recently and the three of us just stood there in peace, silence and wonder of this beautiful sight of nature. A Bluebell Wood is often the picture I carry in my mind to find, I would say, my sole place. I am sitting in my conservatory looking out into my garden with the sun just shining onto a wild patch of bluebells, campions, forget-me-nots and yellow daisies. It is balm for my soul. Equally, being by water, preferably the sea, brings me a deep inner peace that is almost impossible to describe. I've always felt closer to God by the sea than I'm afraid to say in any church building. Again, I carry these images in my mind from the times when I lived by the coast. And then she finishes by recommending um, Soulful Nature, uh, which was beautifully written by uh, Brian Draper and Howard Green. And she says, I was taken to the soul places on their retreat walks. It was my favourite book of 2020. You didn't have a book out in 2020, did you? Um, no, no. I think we're allowed. Yeah, yeah. I had the Christmas book out. Oh, did you? No. Yeah. Sorry, Ruth. You, that wasn't your favourite book of Twenty. It was your second favourite. <laughs> well, I, I think fair. I think fair enough. No. Um, well, I think that's lovely. Isn't yeah. It? I, yeah. I think it's no. It's really good. A really interesting idea that your soul place can be memory. I mean, I'd never thought of that. Well, I think what happens with memories is memories are part of our story, aren't they? They're part mm. of the stories that we tell about our lives. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they can be um, very unsoulful places, memories as well. So mm. you have to sort of be careful. But I love that idea of cherishing those memories and, and, and going to those places. Yeah. And um, I think that's really important. Mm. I guess it's quite a biblical concept as well. I mean, the people of Israel are always being told to remember how the Lord their God took them out of slavery exactly and, yeah. exactly that tell your children this uh, hero israel it's yeah. telling the story over yeah. again. and not in a way that you're saying you know like oh well this is in the past but it's kind of an active thing it's still going on you're still part of that story that's still you yeah um and, and i think that's that's that i think those stories if you if you like you know that that lead to the idea of god's mm. promises to us are really important to take hold of and actually i know i was being rude about you and your age earlier but i wonder if not this is an important thing for us to sort of take into old age if we get that far, because actually increasingly we do find that we can do less and, you know, perhaps we will get immobile and perhaps we can't. And that could, that has the potential to make us extremely miserable or bitter and cantankerous. And, you know, we all know mm. people that don't travail that journey particularly well, but perhaps this is one of the keys to travailing it with a bit more, graciousness and and soulfulness and peace is to actually hold places in our memory and to return to them often i don't know i, I think that's a good point i i 
I would guess it's to do with how you view that. So mm. again, memories can be um, mm. can be good or bad, just, yep. just like churches, like any place. Mm. You know, the mm. sea can be the sea can be balm for your soul, or it can kill you. you yeah, know, it's kind of like. Sure. It, so, yeah. but but memories can be used in a positive or negative way. So, to find solace in memories and to cherish them and to be thankful for them, mm. and to look on them as a, a great gift for you, mm. that's a good thing. If you if you look on them as something that you can no longer do you know yeah. i used to be able to do this and now i yeah. can't uh, you know they become yeah. a source of bitterness for you so so i think ruth sounds like she's really um looking mm. at them in a, in a in a very profound and helpful mm. helpful yeah. way yeah i think so anyway thank you so much for that ruth okay mm. right um charlotte wrote in uh, and said this Hi, Joe and Nick. I love listening to your podcast. Oh, blah, blah, blah. She says, uh, one of the younger listeners, uh, over 30, and do have children. She says, I'd really enjoy hearing your thoughts on how to bring children on that journey from simplicity to complexity, as I really struggle to know uh, to pitch this right with different age children. Uh, so that's a good question. Uh, well, we have we have talked about that before, haven't we? We have been mm. asked that question before. I'll have to dig out what what episode what episode it was that we inadequately answered it in. <laughs> yeah, we should just get Lacey involved in that answer. I think. Yeah, because yeah. it's really tricky. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> she says. Also, you ask the listeners where their souls are restored, and below is my answer. Right here comes her answer. When I sit upon my bed and unleash the thoughts inside my head. My pencil begins to dance upon the page, and finally the words have their stage. For all the thoughts that now leap out, have I time to mess about? They have a very important role. They settle and restore my soul. Just a bit of fun. Thanks for all you do. And that's from Charlotte. That's lovely. That is lovely. Thank and you. It, and, it, and it ties in very well with what the previous one was about. I mean, I mm. presume what she's talking about is yeah. journaling and yeah, yeah, you know, whether she's be, yeah. drawing it or yeah. writing of whatever. Yeah. Um, that is a great way to build soul places of memory, I think. Yeah, 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 exactly. To, to, to go back and, and remind yourself. It is, I've been journaling yeah. for um, over uh, a year now, um, every day. And, what, what? and I've never done that before. Uh, yeah, no, I know, because some of us actually have some discipline in our lives, Joe. We're uh, not just all about hedonistic pleasure. We punish ourselves. No, I think, um, <laughs> you know, I've, I, I never did it before. And and uh, one of the great things is just to look back, just to realise how much, in fact, you do forget. Yeah, yeah no, sure. Yeah, no, And I you agree. go back and you find all these moments that were were great and also some moments yeah. that were not so great, but... It's really important. It, 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 it preserves those. And I do believe that because I am an infrequent journaler. But when I take my days away, and I normally have like four or five of those a year, I that's when I journal. And I do really enjoy going back and going, oh, that, that was the issue then and that's been resolved. Or, oh, that's still an issue. You know, you're still just running after hedonistic pleasure all the yes, time. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, mm. yes. <laughs> but thank you for that, Charlotte. Yeah, thank you so much. OK, right, one more. And this is from Vicky. She says, Dear Joe and Nick, thanks for a great podcast last week and for uh, honesty and talking about things we might have put down, which we need to pick up again. I've reflected on it a bit and I think that while on my mid-faith journey, I've let myself get a bit cynical. It's easy to get critical of other people's outworking of faith, especially those earlier stages, and not notice where I'm falling into unhealthy patterns, logs in eyes, etc, etc. Mm. She says, I've realised that I've sort of given up praying for people. 
having struggled philosophically with the extent to which God actually intervenes as a result, I know you've discussed this a lot in other podcasts, the problem is I have a daughter with a horrible mental health issue. I worry about her all the time. I used to believe the harder I prayed for her, the more likely I would be to break through against the spiritual powers, blah, blah, blah. But now I honestly don't know if God would really choose to not heal her just because her mother is a lazy intercessor. <laughs> I know Jesus said not to worry about anything, but to bring it in prayer and petition and receive the peace that passes all understanding. So maybe I should stop overthinking the non-interventionist issue and just go back to basics and keep praying for her healing. How are other mid-faithers praying for others? Um, I also realised that I've stopped really reading the Bible. I've just finished Nick's book, The Badly Behaved Bible, which I've really enjoyed. He talks about falling in love with the Bible again, which is a phrase I've heard from other mid-faith people too, but not something I recognise in myself yet. How do other mid-faithers read the Bible practically? And he says, lastly, you were talking about doing things for other people makes you happy. Did you know that there's so much evidence for this, that giving to others is one of the NHS five ways to well-being? And then she sent the link to that and says, thank you so much uh, for your encouraging podcast. Well, thank you very much for that. I think there's quite a lot to unpack in there. Um, mm. We'll put that link up on the website and on the show notes as well. And, and I have encountered that before, actually, in, yeah. in, um, in various sort of uh, well-being seminars and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shifts the focus of yourself, um, Indeed. which I, I guess is good. Well, she raises a couple of questions. One is mm. about, um, you know, reading the Bible and how do we, how do mid-faithers mm. read the Bible, which yep. I think we can talk about. Yeah. And the other is about intercessory prayer, which is something we talk oh, about. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think the the way that I see it now, I think it, I think that's right. If you over, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about yeah. overthinking things and then you don't mm. you end up not doing it at all. The yeah. way. The way I think about it is if you view prayer as primarily a sort of relationship yeah. with God, or at least an expression of that deep relationship with God, then of course you're going to talk to God about what, what you mm. want. Yes, exactly. What you would love to see, who you would love to see healed. Yes. Um, and you do that without, I think I think in mid-faith you do that without yeah. um, turning it into techniques or thinking if I yeah. do X it's going to be yeah. Y, because we know in fact that doesn't, doesn't necessarily yeah. happen but you still the cry yeah. of your heart what is, what do you want yeah I, I completely agree this is the simplicity the other side of complexity so you've questioned and you've wrestled and you've 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 despaired at someone you love not being healed but as you do that something happens within you and it's you know i think um dave tomlinson says that you know it's not it's one half of the sentence, I don't believe in an interventionist God, but the other half of the sentence is, but I do believe in an interactive God. If, like me, you believe God is in all things, everywhere, mm. then God is in the person who's hurting and healing, and God is in your love for that person. So, yes, exactly as you said, Nick, I think you, you just cry out and you come back to that kind of simple, simple thing, that God is in all things and with all people. Now we're, we want the very best for them. And so I don't mm. think it's wrong to cry out and say, God, heal no. this, make it better. Please do that. I think that's very good for us as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Oh. or to be angry about it, or yes. to be questioning about it. Yeah. I think I think all those things. And isn't that true of the deepest relationships we have anyway? We, mm. we, we talk to people. I talk to my wife uh, mm. about things. Do that, you? That it's not what she says. No, well, we we have it. We have scheduled fifteen minutes a week. Doesn't matter. Isn't that good? Um, no, you know, I talk to her about things that I know she can't fix. I know yeah. I can't fix necessarily, but but they they concern us. 
the mm. things that I care about, and I'm gonna mm. do, I'm gonna try and do something about or whatever. You know, so I think I think if you love someone, you want to hear what's going on in their lives. You don't. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. you know. Anyway, uh, mm. but let's go on to the Bible one then. The question yes. about how yeah. do how do mid faithers read the Bible? Um, yeah. And I suppose the first thing is to say quite a lot of them don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't true. know if you agree with that, but I, my I experience of talking to people in this that, that, that it, it that's been part of the problem, actually, yeah. um, the Bible. And so it's put away for a while. And what you have to mm. do is sort of maybe rediscover different ways of approaching it. Yes, I absolutely agree. A friend of mine encourages me to read a gospel in one, almost in one sitting. You know, to not do the thing we were told before to, you know, chunk it up, but to really read it through like a narrative, mm. the way it's written. And you do see different things and you and you do emerge when you read a whole gospel with a different view of Jesus. Um, yeah. Yeah. This Jesus who never really came to set up another religion, didn't come to, you know, invent Christianity, just sort of subverted Judaism and told people how to live a life in the kingdom of God. That's. Well, that was one of the experiences for me coming to it. But also, I think there's another way. I don't know what you think of this, but it's reading less of it with greater intensity. <laughs> so we we talked about this, um, you know, when I was talking about that Colossians three, twelve thing about, you know, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and daily love, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, that's, and I spent a few months in that, and I'm doing a similar thing now. Um, ever since I realised that um, when in that passage that gets read at weddings all the time about love, mm. um, it's 1 Corinthians 13, is it verse 4, you know, that um, actually um, those two those two things uh, that Paul opens a statement with what love is, because like, like love is a very tricky word, I think. What is love? As... You know, the prophet's foreigner once said. <laughs> What's love got to do with it? Yes. As St. Tina of Turner yeah. uh, put it. Or so St. Howard of Jones said, what is love? Of. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> or as the triple saints, wet, wet and wet said, love is all around. <laughs> Thank you. I think we veered slightly <laughs> off the point. Uh, the point I was trying to make about half an hour ago <laughs> was mm. that love is can be a little bit meaningless. Like, do you mean the emotion of love? Do you, you know, what do you mean by love? Um, whereas Paul does a rather helpful thing in that and says... Here's what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. So rather mm. than asking yourself the question, am I loving? It, which is quite difficult to answer and you can fudge it a bit. It's it's much more detailed and I think better to say, am I patient and am I kind? Mm. Mm, and who am I being patient and kind to? Am, am, and firstly, and I don't think it's wrong to do this. Am I being patient and kind with me? Because most of us reserve our harshest words and treatments for ourselves. And I think that is not what life in the kingdom should be like. I think we should treat ourselves with great reverence and respect and patience and kindness. Hmm. Um, as particularly, you know, at this stage of life coming out of lockdown. My goodness. Um, and also, I think, you know, the people around us. Are we you know 
who are the people who need patience and kindness now and how can we extend that to them and so I could do that like as a half hour meditation couldn't I and I could journal it and I could do that and then move on but I have found it helpful practically you know and the word was how do we read the bible practically well I want the bible to transform me you know I don't, I don't want to just be the same Joe I am now I want to be the a better version of the Joe than I am now and for that to happen I can't you know a quick half hour meditation on love is patient love is kind is not going to do it but spending a few months there reading that every day memorizing it holding it before me asking myself at the start of the day who needs love and who needs pa who needs patience and who needs kindness today hmm. you know where do i need patience and kindness with myself today where does rachel need it? where do my kids need it? where are the people i'm working with the families i'm going to be serving yeah. to drill down on that and ask that set of questions and you often say don't we that the quality of the questions determines the quality of your life and i think that statement is largely true I think a good set of questions drives you deeper into the text, drives you deeper into what Paul uh, was trying to say about what love looks like and, and will actually help the transformation process. So practically, I think, find a verse that speaks to you and spend much more time. Don't pick, you know, dash their heads against the rocks. Important point for you. So some verses do have a bit more weight to the kavod, isn't it? It's the, you know, they have greater weight than others. So <laughs> pick one that really resonates with you and don't move on it, move from it quickly. Like I think we used to do. I think spend ages with it until it does start changing you. That's a practical thing. What do you think? Well, OK, so let me unpack a few things there because I think there's lots there. So firstly, you were saying about um, reading large chunks yeah and then you were saying so so it's almost like reading large chunks speedily yeah and then reading small chunks intensively very small bits intensively there's these two different sort of approaches i quite mm. like that i think one of the ways to cope for example with the letters mm. is not to to be forensic about them just go mm. through them just read them and if you get a bit you don't understand mm. just carry on there'll be another bit coming along yeah. like buses there'll be, there'll be another good thought along in a minute mm. you'll get that one so so you know <laughs> oh, i think we can good. get very hung yeah. up on a kind of forensic mm. um examination of it but i think though some some bits particularly actually the more complicated bits you might really benefit by just bombing through them you know mm. and you're just seeing an overview you might see a shape in something yeah. like romans that you hadn't identified yeah. before so yes do that and then the other thing it's, it's really important about, about um, sort of taking smaller uh, chunks. What I would say, I think, about this this bit, particularly it's good mm. about 1 Corinthians 13. So what I found the difference is, rather than trying to sort of understand the Bible, this might sound a bit um, arty-farty or theologically waffly-poffly, mm. I don't know, um, <laughs> is to inhabit it, get in there, live there. Mm. So years ago, I did a thing called the Bible book where I... I used you know people kept talking about the bible as a library mm. you know you heard this a library books and i thought well mm. if you don't like reading that's a terrible metaphor <laughs> that's not going to help you at all oh, yeah. so i redrew it as yes. a land mm. a place to go and live 
And I think if you want to be transformed by the Bible, you have to live there. Just as if you want to really learn the language and culture or something, you have to go and live there. It's no good just popping in for a holiday. Mm. You've got to live there. So firstly, spending time with a verse is a way of inhabiting, I think, yeah. the, the Bible, really sp mm. spending time there. And then the, sec the, the other part of that is to actually, yeah, literally put yourself into that text. So when you read that text, Joe, 1 Corinthians 13, replace the word love with Joe. Mm, yeah, yeah, and yeah, go, it's very powerful. Yeah. Joe is patient. Joe is kind. Yeah. Joe is a fat... No, hang on. Joe... <laughs> it doesn't say that, does it? Anyway, <laughs> Joe, Joe is patient. Joe is kind. Joe does not envy. Yes. Joe and... does not... And then you yeah, go, exactly. is this true? Is this true? Can I? Could could yeah. I have a day where that's a good yeah. description? Could this be true? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I completely I... agree with that. Yeah. And I think that way of inhabiting it is is really powerful. You know, same thing is to go into the, the, the stories and think, well, who am I here? What mm. What's my answer to these questions? And instead of trying to look for what the correct answer is the whole time or trying to look for what the, the right understanding of this is, I think, you know, enjoy it, live mm. there, you know, see what it says to you because that, that's the most important thing, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we're back to that thing about orthodoxy and orthopraxy and thing. And, and, and I'm, I'm past the stage where I need more head knowledge about this mm. and that. That actually makes no difference to me. I'm the same Joe at the end of it all. I, I want to be the best version of me I possibly can be. And I really think that's what Jesus was talking about in the kingdom, how to live fully alive or life in all his fullness, as, as it says in John's gospel. You know, I think that's what Jesus was about. I think that's what he was sharing with us and bringing to us. And I think we can inhabit it. I mean, fundamentally, that is my faith, that we can live in that way, that it's not just about having a nice set of ideas or even just worshipping Jesus or worshipping God, but it's about having, having a real quality of life amidst all of life's turmoils not a life that is free from pain even i don't expect mm. that or free from suffering how can you when you read the gospels you pretty you're left pretty sure the fact that life will encounter suffering but somehow there's this terrific peace and hope that is accessible to us so you know that's that's the holy grail for me <laughs> particularly now i think what what you find is you find real humanity actually in the bible oh. i think that's one of the interesting things about it that because you know, we think we think it's all about divinity, which it mm. it is in a way. But it's actually it's it's hugely about humanity. It's a bit of what humans feel mm. and the questions they have, and and that's what people forget. Is everybody who wrote the Bible was a human? Mm. You know, and we a friend of mine was talking just now about about Paul. You know, about the problems people have with Paul, and I think part of the problem people have with Paul is we forget he was a human. We think we think he was like, you know, a better educated Jesus. You know, <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah. he was like the more orthodox Jesus, basically, because <laughs> Jesus, Jesus can get a bit heretical with all those work stuff. You know what I mean? But actually, no, he was a very flawed mm. human being writing yeah. things that had gripped him. Yeah. And yeah. and therefore, of course, he's going to say some things that you don't necessarily understand or get along with, because that's that's what humans do. But somehow God is able to inhabit this stuff. And if we can live there for a bit, we might we might hear something from God through that. I so I it. think, you know, I think that's really important to, to just get in there, 
And when people talk about wrestling with the text, you know, they often say what they're trying to do is, is conquer it, master it, you know, mm. give up on that. Mm. It, it, the Bible is such an amazing book because it's you're never going to get, it, mm. you're never going to exhaust the meanings. Mm. So you're never going to find out exactly what something means. Mm. You are going to find new stuff the whole time. So don't wrestle with the text, dance with it, play with it, oh, talk to it, have a conversation, you. you know, go with that on I it. Argue with it, even. Argue yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah drink, have a drink with it. <laughs> live with it. Just live with it for a while. And and live in the street where that yeah. text is. You know, yeah. if you view, view that, that metaphor of the Bible as mm. a land and then you've got cities and all this, live, it, live on the street for a bit and get mm. to know the inhabitants. Mm. That's really good. I really like that. Thank you. Um, another thing that just springs to mind is one of the things that really helped me with Paul's letters was reading the message version. Yeah. Doesn't I mean, that's really, another very practical step. Really is, inspiring. Is, mm. Yeah. Don't you, just play about with versions, lots of different versions. Uh, there's um, uh, uh, also some very interesting translators who, who just do certain bits of it. Uh, I'll mm. put some links in the show notes to like a translation of Genesis or mm. there's one called, uh, there's, one of, there's one of Mark and I can't remember who wrote it, but it's absolutely brilliant because it captures the sort of ruggedness and roughness of Mark's gospel. It's just, it's just tremendous. So, yeah. Take all these approaches, see it fresh, but I agree with your basic point. You know, just dwell with it. Just just mm. let it uh, spend some time there. Great. Thank you. Well, talking of spending useful time, uh, you could all go and do something more useful now, everybody. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I think we've witted on enough. Um, th thank you for listening. Um, yes. Thank you to all who support the podcast um, by writing in and by um, we've had great feedback this week. Thank you so much. Yeah, we've got more fabulous. that we thank can come you. on to. Yes. Uh, thank you for those who, who recommend the podcast. Um, please, uh, if you can recommend it to somebody, that's a, that's a help. And thank you to all who support us. That's yes. uh, always really encouraging. Yes, it really is. Thank you so much. And thank you for the music, the songs we're singing. <laughs> oh. Thanks for all the joy they're bringing. I am so lucky. I am the girl with golden hair. <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> the story of my life, that song. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs>